This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. Uh, this is uh, interview content editor Jimmy Gasparro, and uh, I am here, and I am very excited to talk to the individual who is with me today. Uh, he is both the writer and the artist for a new Dauntless Stories comic. It's being uh, released as a 15-week or so 96-page web comic when it's all said and done. Um, it is called Uncovered Grave, and I believe at least the first issue, possibly the second issue by the time you hear this, is out in the wild. But please uh, welcome uh, to the virtual Yeti Cave, Sean Dicker. Hi, Sean. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Um, you were kind enough to send over the first, I guess, few uh, chapters of Uncovered Grave, and I really really liked it um it it is uh just to give a little bit of what it is about from the uh, dauntless stories um site uh it is 1955 and we are in a small town called sugar grove uh, where the idea of crime is a teenager shoplifting pop from the corner store um, so the town is left reeling when a body is discovered in the woods, and it turns out that that person has been missing for about 20 years. And so uh, the detective in charge, Detective David Herring, has a connection to the deceased. And so begins a good old fashioned murder mystery. And um, so, Sean, let me just start with what was kind of your um before we get into the dauntless of it all, what was kind of your inspiration um, for this story and, you know, tackling both the writing and the artwork? Um, so it's actually an interesting story. Uh, back before COVID and quarantine and all of that, I had an editor tell me that my artwork would be perfect for street level characters, uh, supernatural uh, type stories and whatnot um but as like a completely new talent and somebody that hadn't made any connections yet um I didn't necessarily have somebody to tell those stories with me so I started writing uh, Uncovered Grave just as a way to experiment with like a crime noir style um pushing the blacks and my textures and like my lighting and whatnot and just figuring out how that would look um, for me personally. Uh, as for the story, I really like psychology. Uh, so I basically came up with this idea of what if I created a whole story based around the idea of the prisoner's dilemma. Uh, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's basically if you put two people in a room and you tell person A that person B is ratting on them, but they're actually not. But like you tell person A, if you tell me something about person B, I can lessen the sentence or you can go completely free depending on what you give me, but you got to talk to me. Um, so I wanted to play with that idea. And basically by the end of issue one, we have these four people lined up. They haven't spoken to each other in 20 years. And 
the detective uh, has to figure out why they're still loyal to one another after all this time. Nice. Um, and so when you, you know, started, uh, I guess, to uh, break the story out and start to put it together, how did you get connected with um, Dauntless, with Dauntless Stories? So I had shelved the story. I did the first four pages and then I was working on another project that unfortunately uh, it just couldn't happen due to like reasons. Um, okay. Uh, so I shelved it for like a year and a half. Um, I was working on small anthology. I was working on anthologies and whatnot and just kind of, going through the motions, trying to start building up an online following and whatnot. Um, and I couldn't find any work. And I reached out to Fell, um, great artist, great talent. Uh, and I really like their online presence. So I asked them like, hey, do you know like anybody I can connect with or uh, any networking opportunities? And they just so happened to add me to a group chat that had Marcus in it. Um, and Marcus saw my work through like just the chat and whatnot and hit me up about Uncover Grave and asked me if I would be interested in developing that into a like into an actual pitch and an actual comic and whatnot and uh, put it out through Dauntless. And that's kind of uh, the history of it all. Nice. Yeah. Um, so in, in terms of developing the story, uh, it, you know, itself, um, uh, I guess it, before we get into the, you know, the, the art side of it, you know, what's your, you know, writing process like? Do you outline things from beginning to end or did you, you know, start and start making it and then develop things, you know, along the way? Because I, I have to imagine writing a murder mystery and I, I interviewed someone recently and they had, I, I asked them, you know, about writing murder mysteries and they said that the tough part is to kind of thread the needle between not making it, um, to, to making the mystery, you know, complicated enough that nobody gets it right away, but also making it make sense at the end so that nobody feels like they were cheated by it. So did you have this all mapped out when you, you know, decided to start to put it together or were you still finding bits and pieces along the way? So that's actually the interesting about this story is I started with the ending and I worked my way from there. I had this idea of how I wanted this murder mystery to end. Um, I wanted to tell the story about legacy and friendship. And I kind of had to like build everything out from there. So it was actually really difficult for me to not make it too obvious what the ending is going to be because mm -hmm. I always knew from the get-go how everything was going to play out. Um, so actually throughout the course of me writing it, I had my girlfriend sit down with me and I wrote down like all of the clues and like wrote down like how the clues connected to each one of the suspects and everything. And I had her guess <laughs> and like read the whole story and help me figure out if it was too obvious and she got it wrong. So uh, <laughs> I, I think I did a good job like threading that needle of right not making it too obvious but also keeping people intrigued nice did you do the like the the detective story trope where you you put stuff on a board and like threaded it through with the needle <laughs> i always think of the the picture of charlie day from it's always no, yeah exactly <laughs> i laid it all out on my coffee table i had like eight pieces of paper and i was just like okay try to solve this <laughs> right um and she kind of just like was working through everything and kind of like connected the dots herself. Like, and I brought out colored pens for her to like figure it all out. Yeah. It was a whole ordeal. So yeah. Nice. I mean, before, before doing this, and I would have to imagine that, you know, you have, you know, some familiarity or, you know, enjoy murder mysteries themselves in order to, you know, write one. Like I was always a big fan of, you know, Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes and, you know, um, even on the sillier side, like movies like Clue, and th th those were things that I very much have always enjoyed. Um, 
and even some of the TV, you know, procedurals that has a good, you know, mystery of the week. But um, were you fans of, are you fan of, of some of those things? Like, you know, that is, you, I, you enjoy them? I grew up watching shows like Psych, NCIS, um, Criminal Minds, like your weekly procedural type shows. Mm -hmm. um, and those were kind of like, that was my family time. Like it was my mom, my brother and I kind of like sitting on the couch, having dinner, watching TV together. And it was usually murder mystery type shows like crime of the week. Um, and as far as comics go, like my biggest influences are probably Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Um, and pretty much everything they do has some sort of crime element to it. Oh yeah. Uh, and they do it exceptionally well oh yeah <laughs> right they're, they're the best if, if, yeah i mean if you're going to have if you're going to have uh two individuals to look up to in the comic world who are making those type of crime stories uh you can't do much better than brew baker and phillips yeah and it kind of started of like i've always wanted to see the two of them make like a really cool murder mystery story not just like a, like a general crime story or like a theft story or a heist mm -hmm. so i wanted to kind of like carve my own sector out of the little space that they've made of crime comics um yeah and that's kind of where everything started to come from nice and in terms of the you know in terms of the setting in terms of um you know, Sugar Grove or and, and the time period, 1955, were there particular reasons that you set it there or maybe the reasons you can't give away yet? Or, you know, so, do you feel like you've been to a town like Sugar Grove and it inspired you? So I grew in a very, grew up in a very small town, um, like 45 minutes outside of Boston. Um, and I wanted to kind of tell like, a suburban type murder mystery. I, I get this feeling every time I go to the suburbs, like there's always something right under the picket fence of it all. There's, it's not necessarily always picture perfect as people right. like to seem in the suburbs. And that's why I wanted it to ha happen in this small little town in the 1950s where you think everything is like, oh, like glitz and glam and everybody's hunky dory. But just beneath the surface of it all, there's there's something happening that you don't quite know yet. Um, and as far as like the name Sugar Grove, I was like, I need to kind of name this town and I don't necessarily know what to name it. Um, so my great grandfather used to um, farm sugarcane. So I was like, you know what, let's do throw that in there it's kind of got like that sickly sweet type mm -hmm. energy to it um this town is so sweet it'll it'll kill you um and that's kind of like the vibe i wanted to carry nice story yeah that may, that tracks i mean that make that makes sense i mean i i, I too i i enjoy the that kind of genre of there's something just under the surface of you know the suburbs um you know whether or not that's something like um from little shop of horrors what you know the idea of like somewhere that's green and and the double meaning of that to um man, years ago i think in like the early 90s there was a show eerie indiana that was on tv that was like uh you know set in a small town and wild crazy things happened um yeah you know, I always, I, I enjoy that, like, what is actually going on in the small town. And I, yeah, I feel like you definitely captured that um, in the first uh, couple of chapters that I read. It does seem like, you know, very idyllic. These types of things can't happen in our town type of type of story. So you, you know, you've definitely gotten that sense in terms of the, the mood of the comic. Because, I mean, you drew, you colored and, um everything in terms of that aspect yourself justin birch lettered correct yeah justin's been a great creative creative partner on this um but I, I did everything else from the writing drawing and coloring that's all me that's awesome um and you've worked with justin before right yeah uh we 
I think everything that I have done, I believe Justin has lettered. Um, oh, okay. Even the project that ended up not happening before right. um, Uncovered Grave, like that was also lettered by Justin and that's actually how the two of us met. Um, yeah, so I'm actually very happy that the two of us um, met and like we've continued to work together on everything since. Yeah, just, I mean, just, I, I really like his work. Justin's a fantastic letterer. Yeah, top, top of the field. No, absolutely. But um, so in, in terms of the art and in terms of you specifically, I mean, when did you get your start? Uh, I, I have no artistic talent whatsoever, <laughs> so it always amazes me that my I, my I, my oldest daughter is nine and loves to draw and is much better than I will ever be. Um, and I, it just amazes me. Uh, so I'm always I, I mean, I love comics and I'm always fascinated by when artists get their start and the things that you know, they're able to do. So kind of when, when did you get your start drawing and when did you kind of think, oh, I could, I could do this, you know, professionally? Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, I started drawing when I was about 12. Um, it kind of just started off as like an emotional outlet. Um, a lot of things were happening. Uh, my parents were getting divorced and separating and whatnot and I just needed some place to put all of that energy mm -hmm. um and I just started doodling I was doodling on everything anything I could get my hands on uh it's actually kind of funny looking back on it I had a very cartoony style back then compared to now which is very realistic and graphic and dripping with black ink um and I it's just started off as that and then when I got to my freshman year of high school, uh, I had to take an art elective. Um, and it just so happened to be a cartooning class. And after the first week of classes there, my teacher sat me down. His name was uh, Shade Justice. Fantastic man. Um, Great name. Yeah, right? <laughs> he ended up getting me into comic books. Like his name is literally Justice. It, right. <laughs> I couldn't write this stuff. Um, and he sat me down and he was like, you have a really good eye for black and white. Um, have you ever thought about doing comic books? And then he showed me Love and Rockets and we flipped through that together. Um, and he had me do some master copies and like tr not necessarily trace, but try to copy the pages. Mm hmm. And then at the end of that quarter, uh, at the end of that semester, he sat me down again and was like, I think you have potential to go to art school if you want to. Um, and if that's something that you want to do, I will spend the next three and a half, four years with you and get you ready for that if that's something that you want to do. Wow. Yeah. He, I owe everything to this guy. Um, I won't be here without him. That's awesome. I mean, just the difference it makes somebody taking an interest in, you know, a kid and what they're and what they're into. And, you know, what a what a different, you know, you can hear it when you talk about it. What a difference it makes in somebody's life to, you know, to be yeah, supportive. Like, I'm not going to lie, like that period of my life was a very it was a dark period. Um, yeah, I didn't feel very sure of myself. I mean, all teenagers don't feel sure of themselves and their place in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but having that one person like tell me that my, the way I viewed the world was cool and unique and needed to be shared. It definitely helped start building that confidence up within myself. Um, and I hope to someday work with them. The two of us both want to do a comic together at some point. Oh, that's awesome. So you're still in touch? Yeah. Uh, last time I was in Boston, um, it was for my brother's high school graduation. And the two of us spent like an hour and a half together just talking about comics and what we wanted to do together. Um, and I've started, I have a script waiting for him uh, if he ever decides that he wants to try it out. Right. That's fantastic. Well, I, hope, yeah. I hope it happens. Yeah, me too. You can both come back on. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs>
Um, well, so after that, so after high school, then, uh, so then where do you go? Do you go to art school? Yeah, uh, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, I, I followed one of my best friends that I met when I was 16. Uh, he convinced me to go there uh, and we joined the sequential art program there. Uh, and that is where I learned how to make comics the way I make them now. Mm -hmm. uh, completely changed everything that I thought about comics. It was quite the four years. Um, it was cool to like network and meet other people that are like-minded and wanted to tell stories and wanted to make comics. Right. Uh, and the professors were fantastic. They knew exactly what I wanted to do, um, what avenues I should probably take. And they helped me make, helped me become the artist that I am right now. So um, you're, you know, in, in high school, you know, in, in terms of your art ability at the time, and being, you know, becoming more, I'm assuming becoming more familiar, you know, with comics once you're first introduced to them and checking out different things that now you're at art school and going there specifically for sequential art. What, what do you think um, was either, you know, the biggest misconception you had that you had to maybe unlearn something about what you thought about comics or what do you think was like the, the biggest takeaway? And I understand I'm asking you to sum up, you know, a few years in, at, at school, but do you think there were like, you know, one or two big lessons that you really, you know, stayed with you in terms of, you know, like you said, it changed how you approach comics? I, there's so many lessons that I learned. It's hard to sum it up in a few sentences. Sure. Um, I think the, the hardest lesson I learned while I was at SCAD, and this isn't necessarily in the sequential art program. Mm -hmm. It's you have to have a thick skin. You have to be able to roll with the punches. Um, uh, unlike other colleges, like when you do a project, instead of writing an essay, you have to put your work on display for the whole class to see. And then for the next 45 minutes, everybody around you everybody that is around you tries to tear it down and like pick it apart and break it down into like the flaws or, you know, the things that you excel at. Um, and not everything is always positive. So you need to roll with the punches there. Um, the perfect example of this is I once we, in the sequential art program every year, it's actually coming up later this month, we do an event called editor's day. So like a bunch of editors from top companies uh, in the industry come in and like look at students work okay um i had one editor i'm not going to share the company and like their name and whatnot right uh, he sat me down first thing he says to me is you should quit drawing you will never make it in the comic book industry um i'm telling you this because i don't want you to waste your time and that was my oh. sophomore year and the fun so, thing is, you're already a year in and that's that's what somebody's telling you yeah and the funny thing is i had bobby chase uh at dc comics tell me the complete opposite thing 30 minutes right. before that um and while she was still at dc uh she ended up sending me some swamp thing and johnson uh john constantine scripts to just see how I would handle those characters right uh, and it ended up having a pretty good relationship with her while she was still at DC but it was that it was that two days that really set in stone like what it meant to be a comic artist for me like on one hand somebody might love your work and really want to work with you on the other hand somebody might think you're the absolute worst thing to happen in the, in the industry in like 20 years so right. you just kind of got to like stay true to yourself, stick true to your instincts and like know that what you're doing is right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm more of a, like, if you're at a convention 
and somebody comes up to show you, you know, you're an editor and somebody comes up to show you their work like unsolicited. I still don't think even that, you know, justifies as harsh uh, a critique as you should quit. But like you're going to a college where folks are studying this. You're specifically there. Like it doesn't have to be all, you know, positive criticism. You can give constructive criticism, but, you know. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. a shitty, I, I, that's a shitty thing to say, like, ah, you should quit. I don't want you to waste your time. Well, it's like, I, I love doing this. I'm not wasting my time. It's what I want to do. You know? you know, like, that's the thing. I when you do events like Editor's Day, you go in expecting constructive criticism. I wanted to hear it. Um, like, again, with Bobby Chase, they were the first person that ever like reviewed my work in like right. a professional sense. Um, they really liked my stuff, but also at the same time, they said I draw or I drew really ugly people and I need to work on making people look prettier. So like that was constructive versus telling me to quit it. it yeah, that's not constructive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, so I assume you make it through, you make it through SCAD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Made it through all four years. Uh, definitely had a lot of sleepless nights, uh -huh. um, a lot of tough days. But yeah, I made I made it through. Um, graduated in in May of 2019, um, and then I moved to Austin, Texas, shortly after that. Okay, and is it, that's where you are now. You're in Austin. Yeah, uh, I moved to Austin in September of. 2019 and then the pandemic started like shortly after that right so yeah i was living in a new city couldn't necessarily explore it at all and yeah uh i lost my job um to the pandemic and mm -hmm. I, that's why i started freelancing full-time um and that's when i started those first four pages of uncovered grave oh wow yeah. And, and which has, uh, which have led to this, which yeah. is, I, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, I mean, I know you have done some smaller projects, but you know, that this is uncovered grave for, you know, one of your, like the first big projects, you know, a, a, all told a 96 page, essentially a graphic novel all collected is, uh, you know, pretty big first time project. I, I mean, yeah. have, have you been intimidated at all by any part of it along the way, whether or not that's a particular section of writing or art or even just the act of um, promoting? Promoting is definitely the hardest part for me. Um, social media is incredibly difficult for me. I still have a lot of um, social anxiety and like imposter syndrome around uh, talking to people in a public space and being like, Hey, you should check out my thing. It's pretty cool. Right. Um, definitely give me your money and check it out. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want it to come off as like shallow or um, dishonest at all uh, because I don't want to come off like that. Um, for me, comics is, I want my, like, my presence on social media and in my books to be very raw and honest and real. And that's why I struggle with it so much. Um, I do much better in situations like this, where it's just, I talk to somebody about it and like, um, share my passion that way. Right. And that's why I like comics so much is like, I get to talk to my readers. I get to talk to my fans a little bit through that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. I, I see, you know, I, I see quite a bit on Twitter because um, that's really the only social media I'm on, but of, you know, comic artists or writers or whomever it might, might be, you know, talking about they don't like to do the marketing or self-promotion aspects of it. You see it sometimes, but, you know, it's, you know, it's, there's a, there's a lot in terms of the market. So you, you sometimes, you know, have to walk that line between, um, you know, not saying anything and being somebody, you know, like a newsboy 
on the corner shouting, you know, extra, extra, read all about it. Like there's, it, it's tough to find that middle ground uh, sometimes, right? Yeah, you don't want to be annoying, but also at the same time, you want to be the loudest voice in the room every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, well, I mean, we already mentioned, speaking of comics and your your love of comics, we've already mentioned Brubaker and Phillips, but, you know, what other type, what other comics are you into? Are you still able to, you know, read comics now, catch up yeah. on things? Like, what are you into right now? Um, right now, uh, I'm actually reading... Uh, Uzumaki by Junji Ito. Um, I hope I said his name right. Or, uh, but in American comics, I'm reading uh, the Me You Love in the Dark. Um, I'm reading Reckless, so more Brubaker and Phillips. Brubaker and Phillips, yep. Uh, Saga. Uh, that's one of my favorite comics of all time. I th I think it's everybody one of everybody's favorite comics of all time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really love Saga too. Big. Brian K. Vaughan, Fiona Staples, good stuff. And uh, Deadly Class. That's the other book I just finished reading. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, uh, that's uh, Deadly Classes, Remender, and oh, yes, I'm going to blank. Yes. I was going to blank on that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I love Wes Craig's storytelling. Um, the way he designs a page is top notch. And I always look through like deadly class volumes whenever I need an inspiration boost of like, how do I make this page look interesting? It's two people talking in a room. How can I use perspective in a fun way to make the eye want to follow the page mm -hmm. in an interesting way? And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I gotta imagine um, it, talking head type of stuff can be pretty tough to make interesting. It's one thing if you're drawing like a big splash page or an action scene, um, but yeah, it, it's gotta yeah, be it's, pretty difficult at times. Yeah, it's been one thing that I've been struggling with when I've been drawing the pages for Uncover Grave. Um, there's a pretty big cast, you know, there's four suspects, I want the reader to get to know each of these four people in a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I really try to push the whole talking heads thing, but also make it interesting and make it feel intimate, but also like the world is crashing in on these characters. Right. Um, so I've been trying to do cool and different techniques that I've picked up over my years of reading comics. Uh, <laughs> to make these scenes more interesting um, because you know when you're just drawing a conversation part of you is like I've got tight deadlines I want to just draw some heads real quick and they'll say things and I know Justin will make it look really pretty and awesome um, and exactly the way it needs to look but it, it feels like the cheap way out and I want to make sure it looks interesting and that when the reader actually sees the page it's worth their time. Right. Yeah. And also being able to uh, know who the cast of characters are so that everyone's like visually distinctive. Yeah. Um, we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, I I, I really like I, I I really like the color palette that you chose for Uncovered Grave. Um, it's. It, I guess different than what I expected from seeing, you know, the cover or the, the first promo shot of Uncovered Grave, because the color palette, it, um, you know, you could have gone, oh, this is a noir, it's set in 1955, you could have almost like done it black and white, um, or, you know, more, I guess, photorealistic isn't the right word, but, you know, the, the colors seem to me like a bit saturated, and it's almost a bit, um 
dreamlike at times and i i really feel like it, it it makes me feel like it's set in the past but it 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 uh there's a lot of um I feel like visual storytelling in the colors and the the palette that you decided to to pick for this. And I didn't know if you had any, you know, like I I was going to lead into that. I saw in the in the on Dauntless page you wrote when you 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 there's like a bunch of process uh, pages in there where you talk yeah. about how you developed it. Which so anyone you know after you're done listening to this, go to the Dauntless page, check it out, and you'll see. Sean's kind of process through certain steps as he creates, I think it's the first page of the comic. Um, but one of the things yeah, you say, yeah, like uh, flatting is your least favorite part. So I was just kind of curious in terms of to ask you about that, but then to talk about your overall decision with the color palette. Uh, with flatting for me, it's, it feels very paint by number. Um, and it's very meticulous and tedious and it drives me absolutely insane. <laughs> it takes me when I'm coloring a page, the probably about like 75% of my time coloring a page is done in flatting and like making sure all the colors match the way they do in other pages and whatnot before I add all of like the coloring effects and um, all of my cool layers and highlights and shading and whatnot. Um, but as far as color palette goes, I think color should be part of the story. It's there. It's on the page. If you're not using it as some sort of storytelling device, I think you're leaving a huge essential part out of the story. Um, one of my, I have two of my favorite colorists are Jordi Belair and Matt Hollingsworth. And I think they both definitely color with this idea of um, using coloring as a storytelling device, especially Jordi Belair. Um, so with my color palette, a big thing about my approach to coloring is I think comics look the best when the coloring kind of juxtaposes the art. So my art is very graphic. It's very black and white. It's um, very realistic. So when I approach my coloring, I want it to be very um, bold, but simplistic. Um, mm -hmm. And not, and that's part of the reason why I have it so saturated is I want to bump up that contrast. I want those colors to play off of my blacks and it bounce off of the page and have everything vibrate off of one another. Um, coloring is definitely the newest part of my process to me. So I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, I feel like I'm getting better with each page, but it's a lot of fun. Um, but my approach to this book is I'm basically playing with red, yellow, and blue. It's a really simple color palette, but um, I've talked about it in the bonus content for my chapters. So it's not really giving anything away, but I wanted red to be a very prominent color in certain spots it's very eye-catching psych psychologically when you see red um you see danger you it's the first thing your eye gravitates to like even right now um, for all the listeners like you're wearing a red shirt right now and my <laughs> eye keeps on going to your red shirt um so i wanted that to be like oh hey reader this is important pay attention to it it might be a clue and might be important for later, but just mm -hmm. like, keep in mind, like it's there. Um, so yeah, red and then blue is just, blue's calming. It's, and it helps juxtapose like that cool versus warm. So yeah. Sure. Um, one of the things in that, the, the Dauntless, the, the, the first page of the, the website, when you go through the, um, your first page of, of Uncovered Grade, Grave, one thing I was curious about, you talk about using, and this might be uh, super nerdy and only five people into it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you talk about using a physical watercolor texture and you say helps the page feel like it has a more traditional approach? So I, I, I didn't know exactly like what that meant, but I was fascinated by it. So, um, so what, what, is, what does that mean? How do you do that? So with every page for Uncovered Grave, I 
I print out a really small like thumbnail and then I project that onto like a piece of watercolor paper and I take my blue and red watercolor and I just go over the page and like uh, on like the projection of it um, and kind of get like that splotchy watercolor feel and but the way it works is like every page has a blue and red gradient to it mm -hmm. um, so the, like the most important panel or like the most dramatic panel gets a lot of red hues in it um, but the reason why I add that watercolor to it is when I'm looking at a comic, I don't, I want to see texture. I want to see um, more than just the flats. Um, and the way I do my coloring is I don't do a lot of shading. I don't do a lot of fancy effects, but when I add a watercolor texture to it, it helps break up my flats. It helps unionize all of those colors. It makes them harmonious. Um, and I personally just prefer traditional art. I work with pen and paper. Uh, I just prefer the feel of traditional art. Um, it feels warmer to me. It feels more handmade and um, more intimate in a sense. And I really wanted this story to feel intimate. So are you doing parts of Uncovered Grave traditionally or is, is it all being done digitally though? Uh, the black and white is all traditional um, oh, wow. the watercolor is all traditional but my coloring is all digital okay yeah yeah oh, I, wow. I i photoshop all the way like working through everything um but I, i'll take my watercolors that i do for every page i'll scan them in on my scanner um and throw them up on each page to help work through and make everything look really nice Cool, man. That is, that is fascinating. Um, well, thank yeah, you. I love and uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's, you know, uh, even, you know, um, uh, understanding how comics are made. There's still so many little things and different approaches that different artists have that I personally find, you know, fascinating. And I love hearing about the actual process of, you know, making comics um yeah i'm a process junkie too i love seeing <laughs> all of that stuff that's why i wanted my bonus content to be a close look at how each chapter gets made mm -hmm. i wanted to give those digital readers like a little inside glimpse into right. what it is that i'm doing each and every week yeah and in terms of each and every week um it, it's it, so when somebody signs up for this or to, to pre-order to get it every week, because we, we didn't really talk about this. Um, so what's, it's, I think, at least the first chapter was a dollar and it delivered right to your email? Yeah, um, so you can do chapter by chapter for a dollar and get it right to your email. Um, I believe it's $13 for the whole thing, uh, week by week. Um, if you want to do like, the whole thing right. um, so each week it's six pages plus bonus content uh, that may range from my coloring process like it is in chapter one on the sure. uh, preview um, for chapter five uh, the start of issue two i did a look at what it's like for me to do a cover um, so i i did my thumbnails my I showed my crazy chicken scratch on uh, my thought process and what covers should be and like what the theme for these covers were. Right. Uh, and my pencils and my inks and then the colors and all of that. Um, so with each chapter is also like all of this crazy bonus content that only and, the digital readers get. And then I mean, and then the, the, eventually the whole thing is going to get collected too. So you can, uh, you can go to Dauntless and you can, you know, right now pre-order the whole collected trade, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're doing three tiers. Uh, the first is the digital tier, which I just talked about. Right. Um, and then if you prefer just physical comics, uh, there is just a paper trade. If you want to do that, uh, that will be coming out uh, later this year after the 16 weeks of all gone through um mm -hmm. at this point i think 
by the time this episode come out, comes out, it'll be nine more weeks. Um, and then the third tier is both the physical and the digital format. So you'll get my week by week process stuff with six page chapters along with the hardcover as well. Wow. Um, so, and so why this type of format though? Why, not the graphic novel, but, but why release it, you know, in chapters like this? Um, because you don't, I mean, you know, I don't, at least not, I don't think you don't really see this done a lot in yeah. terms of, uh, in terms of comics. And it's, uh, I, I find it really interesting, you know, I, with a lot of some creators moving to Substack and you, you hear now there's been a whole lot of like Substack comics with certain creators getting a bunch of money from Substack to, you know, create yeah. email lists and to create their comics, you know, I, I mean, um, but why do it this way? What was the thought behind that? Um, it was something that Marcus approached me, um, Marcus over at Donald's, sorry. Uh, and when he pitched it to me, I fell in love with the idea. Um, I really like Shonen Jump and I like that release model of like every week I get to read a chapter of one piece. Um, mm -hmm. So I it was kind of all in on that. Um, but one thing I wanted to do is I wanted, I have been talking about it this whole time, but I wanted the readers to feel a part of the process. And if you're going to be getting a part of the story every week, I want you to feel like you are a part of the story. Um, so e with each chapter, along with the bonus content, I also have a little afterward where I like talk to people about um, what's going on in my life and uh, how I was making this chapter and all, all sorts of this stuff. Um, so when Marcus approached me with this idea, it was my idea to add on the bonus content and make it something special for readers because I really wanted this to be a love letter to all of my fans, especially this being my first book. I wanted each and every reader to feel special to me because they are. Um, I wouldn't be able to do this without the people that are buying my, my work and reading the book. Like I want them to know how important they are to my process. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. I, I, yeah, I really love it. I think it's a great idea. Um, that's awesome. Um, I, one thing I wanted to ask you, since uh, you know I can see you on the Zoom, um, I wanted to ask you about some of the some of the art on your wall in terms of uh, some of your bits of uh, you know your own artwork and uh, your your wall of inspiration there. Um, so, what are some of the uh, the artists and the creators who in, have you know inspired you in terms of uh, creating comics so as far as creating comics I think my biggest inspirations uh, would be Sean Phillips uh, Paul Azaketa, uh Greg Capolo, and Ryan Otley those are probably my my big four my my Mount Rushmore of um, <laughs> people who got me into drawing comics um, right I love that idea with Mount Rushmore um, yeah, yeah. Without those four artists, I don't think I would be making comics the way I do the way I do them. Um, okay. Yeah. So behind me, I got a little Outcast print uh, right there. I got so I got two Ryan Otley's up here. Um, I got a Kevin Nolan. Um, oh, nice. And I got a nice print from American Vampire up at the top as well. Um, oh. Oh yeah, there okay. we go. Yeah. Uh, so every time I need inspiration or I, I'm feeling the drag of, I've been drawing for 30 hours straight, like I'll just turn mm -hmm. around and like look at my little wall right here. Be like, okay, I can do it if this guy, if these guys can do it. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. fan of, uh, I'm a big fan of all of them too. Um, yeah. I really like, uh, you know, Snyder and Capullo's work and Batman yeah. and uh the first time I ever went to a comic book shop it just so happened to be the September that the new 52 had launched um, okay 
And of course, like going into a comic book shop, you're going to pick up Batman. Um, so outside of Love and Rockets, Snyder's Batman was the first comic that I had ever read. Um, and it was my first like little dip into comic book art. Um, and seeing Greg Capolo's work on that book and the storytelling mm-hmm. that he was pulling off was absolutely amazing. Um, I forget what issue it was, but in the Court of Owls, like seeing like the pages turn when Bruce is like yeah. in the maze. Yeah. That blew my mind. And I was yeah. like, okay, storytelling can be so much more than just like, here's a panel, here's a panel, here's a panel. And ever since that issue, like my, my, my mind has been blown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, that, that whole run. That's one of my, yeah, it's one of my favorite runs. It's just, yeah. it's just a team firing on all cylinders who, and I'm a big fan of, of Scott Snyder's writing as well. And especially a lot of his DC work just seems like, you know, uh, the kid at the candy shop who is finally getting to, you know, yeah. taste whatever no, he wants. And he's sense. just, you know, I mean, with, with, with uh, you know, metal and death metal, it's just like, yeah, let's play with all the toys. Let's bring them all out of the toy box and just go crazy. And uh, both he and Greg are just doing phenomenal work. Yeah. And I, I think that's the way comics should be, you know, like, I think readers should be able to feel through the page just how much fun the creators are having. Um, and like, that's part of it for me. Like I want the readers to have just as much fun as I am drawing these comics. And I think it's really cool that you, I feel like unanimously that run, everybody can feel the fun and how much mm-hmm. thought and love went into that story. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly agree um but you know turning from from comics for a second um i I don't know if they fill up all 24 hours in the day for you but do you ever take a break are there other things that you're you're into or things that you need to de-stress or when you know when you need to take a break um as far as like media consumption i when I'm working, I listen to audiobooks. So I listen to like a lot of fantasy books when I'm working, um, especially the long ones. With that Audible membership, you only get like one credit a month. So I make sure like if I'm going to get one book a month, I'm going to make sure it's like a, a 40 hour long book, you know? <laughs> um, but to de-stress, I'm usually going on walks with my, my dog, Boo. Um, or like usually I, after I finish my work day, I try to stick to like a 10 to six schedule. Um, and that's my work day. And once I'm done, I'll put it down. Of course, mm-hmm. like when it gets closer to deadlines that 10 to six more looks like 10 to 10 the next day. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, usually after work, I'll go out and take my dog for like an hour long walk and just kind of like watch the sunset with her. Um, and then I'll like cook dinner with my girlfriend, um, listen to music, and I play a lot of D&D. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah I, I, D&D is something I always heard about as a kid and never played. And it wasn't until about four years ago i um i went over a friend's house and they said oh we have this game of thrones board game and i said oh yeah sure i didn't have anything else to do that night i'll go over hang out with some friends and play a board game figured i'd be there a few hours seven hours later (laughs) seven hours later well we finished the game of thrones board game and it turned into a discussion about D. and i said i've always wanted to play i never played um and so then we said oh we'll get together next month and we'll start D. and now it's been i don't know four and a half years we play once a month <laughs> so uh yeah i i didn't start till i don't know my late 30s but i fell in love with playing 
D and D. It was tough doing it over Zoom during the the pandemic, but it was yeah. nice once uh, everybody got got back together again in the same room. But yeah, yeah I've, I, I've yet to play D and D in person. Um, I started playing uh, with a bunch of like comic book friends like almost a year ago now. Um, okay. I play a lot with our mutual friend Cabbage, uh, Krista. Um, well, a friend is a strong term. <laughs> uh, I they're hope awesome. they're listening. Uh, I hope they're listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, they'll definitely be getting an earful for me if they're not. So, um, yeah, uh, that's how I met them. Um, and over the past year, uh, they've become a very close friend of mine. Awesome. Yeah. I really enjoy with D&D the, the storytelling aspects of it. I mean, not only the, the friendship and the camaraderie, but, you know, the ability to kind of, you know, tell a tale, uh, you know, with your, your character. Um, uh, and that's been, that's been a lot of fun. I, I play a character who is, my character is a halfling rogue and is like has a, a an alter ego he was one person and but he pretends to be somebody else and it was like a year into playing and i just started talking something happened and my character started you know uh talking in a very poor i might add um irish accent uh <laughs> but like which the dm knew was coming because he knew the backstory but nobody else i was playing with did and like things like that i thought i think are are a lot of fun so do you play different characters yeah. all the time are you playing part of the same campaign when you play so i'm a part of four different games right now all right um, they, they alternate monday and tuesdays um so we actually uh, we're filming on tuesday right now so we had to reschedule one of our games so i could be a part of uh tonight's podcast but oh well thank um, you i i apologize yeah. to the questing party <laughs> yeah you can apologize to cabbage later um yeah so each game is a different character um i usually play with a guy named uh brent harshman uh okay, great guy yeah. he, uh, He's a great writer. Uh, he wrote The Price over at Dauntless as well. Dauntless, right. And he edited um, the Off Into the Sunset oh, anthology. Yep. Yeah. Um, and one thing that he does in D&D is he loves his voices. Um, so every chance we get, uh, he DMs for us a lot. We'll force him to do like weird like animal voices and whatnot. Um <laughs> His has a new character and a new campaign uh, where he talks in like an, a very obnoxious New York accent. And it's probably our, our favorite thing in the world. That's fantastic. It is really an opportunity for everybody to do uh, any voice they want, you know, just no, no judgment. Who cares? Um, we yeah, might like at the end of the at the end of the day, you're, you're playing a fantasy game, like be silly yeah. with it, have fun. Yeah. It is what you make it. So right. why not go off it, the walls? Be crazy. Yeah. My, uh, my one friend, Kevin, um, I don't think he listens to this. I'm going to tell him to listen to this one if I'm making fun of him, but um, <laughs> his character, it has been four and a half years and he has not settled on like a voice for his character. It has been, it, it's been a, a bad Tony Bennett for some reason. It was a bad, I think, Sylvester Stallone for a while. And then it was, uh, uh, there was a third voice in the mix. Um, but That's yeah, the, the, the bad Tony Bennett was, was by far the most offensive. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, it is fun. Yeah, like, D&D is fun because you can be silly and let loose mm -hmm. like not constrained by any sort of rules like you are necessarily when you play a video game like just do whatever makes you happy in D&D and I think that's yeah. what makes it so special yeah yeah no I, I I agree yeah I've had a lot of fun um you know 
playing and storytelling and um yeah it, it, it was it's it's been it's it's been a good we haven't played in a while just because everyone you know we're old and everybody has kids and it's it's like difficult now for us old people to get together but uh hopefully soon i just saw my friend dan that uh is our dm uh earlier today and we were talking about getting back together again so dan's like the yeah, guy in our group he's the dm he got us all together he has like every board game imaginable you know so uh he's always in charge of our game night so i i you know that it's stuff's important i think to still try and you know do things uh that are fun <laughs> yeah like uh, when i first started playing D, like it was definitely a way to help me socialize because um with the pandemic like we're all like our four walls are kind of like the only things that we see so sure. getting that social interaction every week is awesome yeah well that's fantastic um so uh anything else you have coming up or working on or 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 want to work on or are you um you know involved in any other anthologies i know you've, you've done stuff with philip um i'm not going to pronounce his last name correctly i don't think philip mara in terms of uh uh crackle right and yeah um, purple eyes two, story yeah exactly the two of us got purple eyes coming up uh we have a, a spiritual sequel to the story that appeared in uh crackle volume three uh i'm really excited to get started on that um phil did a great job working through everything for per the purple eyes anthology uh, i think he was just telling me he ended up getting like 185 submissions for it wow uh so he had to whittle that down and i can't even imagine how difficult that must have been <laughs> no uh, no i've 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 submitted to you know several anthologies the past year and a half and it's like i don't know how editors do it i yeah. I, I wouldn't know what to do if i had 150 to 200 submissions it's because i think brent had the same thing with off into the sunset um yeah I, I i have an idea for an anthology cooking in the back of my brain and that that's the one thing like having to sort through all of those awesome like talented creators it's going to be so hard to like, yeah end up picking out the right ones um yeah but as far as future projects uh i have I'm looking to pitch this story right now. So, I mean, if any editors are listening, like, you know, <laughs> hit me up. Uh, I've been working on a lot of horror and a lot of noir, obviously, uh, with Uncovered mm -hmm. Grand. Um, so I think my next project that I'm writing and drawing is going to be uh, very fantasy, very action uh, focused, uh, completely different polar opposite to uh, Uncovered Grave in a lot of mm -hmm. ways um just to like i don't want things to feel stale or whatever i don't want to necessarily put myself in one lane so i want to like switch it up yeah that's awesome yeah uh the title of that comic that i'm working on is called before it all so hopefully uh that will be coming soon who knows all right uh, it's a good title you yeah, got that going I, for you I yeah like it. I, I like it a lot um it's about the it's it's a fantasy setting it's a fantasy book and it's about the first mage um so it's before um modern day before everything that you and i know there was w one mage who made it so everything could happen today um so it's it's a lot of fun it's uh, when i was writing it I was getting in touch with my brother again. Uh, we had a lot of shit happen in our childhood. Mm -hmm. um, and the two of us about like, I wrote it like two years ago. So when I was writing it, we were first getting in touch with one another uh, again and like starting our relationship from the ground up. So it's very much about uh, siblings and like 
love and kind of like that regret that you feel uh, when somebody's been out of your life for too long. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. All of my stories, no matter how action packed they might be, they're going to be, uh, (laughs) have you feeling like you should probably stare out a window while it's raining outside. Um, ah, the, the the Tom King approach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom, King, Tom King and I would have a lot of fun together, uh, sitting on our couches and crying to one another. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm 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 across the room on the love seat. Uh, <laughs> um, well, that sounds great, and hopefully you'll be able to you know find a place for that to land. So. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I can't encourage everyone enough to head to Dauntless Stories and to check out Uncovered Grave um, and to either sign up to get the chapters emailed to you or to pre-order uh, the entire collection. It's from the first four chapters I read. It is a fantastic murder mystery story. Uh, Sean's work is great. Justin Birch is a fantastic letterer. They're doing amazing things over at Dauntless Stories, and um, I can't thank you enough for being here today, Sean, to talk about it, to talk about all the kind of other stuff you're working on and your process and and D and D. And thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me out. Uh, this is my second interview that I've done um, and I couldn't be more excited to be a part of it. Thank you so much. No, yeah, no, thank you for being here. This was great. And um, I just hope, I just hope people are listening and they go and check out Uncovered Grave because it's a really good story and I'm in now four chapters. I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Um, All right. So uh, thank you everyone who's listening uh, I hope you have a great day. And uh, I, for Comic Book Yeti, this is Jimmy Gasparro, and I will see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.